live from Studio 6B. You can hear the music out here, G, on the floor. It sounds good. Um, on a Friday night, wrapping up a good week. Coming in hot pink tonight, Rick Amorati. Absolutely. Looking, looking, looking hot pink or watermelonish. I'm not sure which one. I guess more fuchsia, right? Yeah, more fuchsia. Yeah, very right. sharp looking. <laughs> Mr. Amorati, well, how are you? Good big D. Sixes are losing 20 to 8 right now. <laughs> I'm not happy. <laughs> Maybe wow. it's a blessing. <laughs> Just get it over All with, right. right? Yes. Yes, get Just it end over the with. suffering. Get Doc Rivers out of there. Get to, what's his name out of there. Ben Simmons shipping him off. Burn it down and start <laughs> over. Yeah. I mean, just burn it down and start over. You can't lose by 20. You can't lose when you're up by 28. Can't do it. No. And come back and win the next game. It's very, yes, t- very difficult yep. for the team to get up. That's, 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 the, that's the long and the short of it. And, and by tomorrow, you're, everybody on that team is going to want to be traded. The coach will be out of town. Every yeah. media will be attacking. It's just going to be a nightmare four days for you. Yep. But uh, maybe you can watch the U.S. Open on Father's Day and forget about your... St- maybe out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or maybe a little uh, rodeo, something like that you can watch. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right, Fran, I'm not sure if you're hearing what we're hearing, but the but everything just went wacky in our ears, like crazy, over-inflated, over-modulated. So, all right, live from Studio 6P, hopefully that's not what the audience is hearing, what we're hearing in our ears right now. But uh, Friday night, Rick Delgado's here with the news. How are you? I am well. And- How uh, your excursion? <laughs> <laughs> it was... Well, you know, this is uh, the supply and demand problems of COVID and, and of people not working and of what's going on with this administration and, and de-incentivizing people to work and jobs and, and everything that's going on. I've, so my son wants this new bike, it's these hot bikes, these SE bikes that every kid wants. And we ordered it before COVID, right before COVID, we ordered it. And it's been over, a, obviously, it's been what, a year, a year and four months now, a year and three months since we ordered it. And it's just not, they just, they can't get them done. They can't get them done. They can't build them. They can't ship them. They can't get them here. They can't, they cannot even come close to the, um, to the demand. There's no supply. So um, we finally, we've been checking and the guy's been like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. So finally we called and the guy says, well, we think we may have a shipment for Christmas. Well, that'll be, that'll put it over two years <laughs> that we've waited for. Oh, you for. mean, you mean, so you're not going back, you're not backtracking the story saying last Christmas because you had ordered it last spring. No, no, he thinks he won't have another shipment of them until oh, this coming goodness. Christmas, six more months from now. So, um, my friend, Dr. Gary, the finest chiropractor in the East Coast, um, who takes care of me and all the kids and everybody else, um, found some in this bike store way upstate new york he calls me and says well this place has got him but you better be quick so i called the place and he hooked me up with the guy who works there and uh well yeah they had him they had a couple so i spent six hours on the road today and i don't know what's going on the traffic i mean (laughs) gas is i saw a video today of california gas is six dollars and 93 cents for unleaded at the at the pump Oh, that's six dollars and ninety three cents. Guy took shot it with his phone at the pump. Regular, regular. But I mean, it's not slowing people. At least in this area, it's not slowing people down from driving. I mean, the traffic was so horrendous both ways. And I was in trying to travel in the middle of the day because obviously I wanted to be back for the show. But uh, holy cow! Yeah, that's brutal. It was brutal, but. Uh, Bike's pretty sharp. Did you take it for a spin? 
<laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I, so. I didn't. He did when he got home. He was, you know, it's all. It was six hours. It was all worth it to see the look on his face. Obviously, yeah. but that's a cool bike, man. The big ripper. Come yeah, on, those those are fun bikes. Yeah, it's fun. We got one as well. Okay, so what do you mean you got one as well? You got one before I got mine. Oh yeah. That's because I know people. See, you should have came to me. I told you I ride bikes. I know people that own bike shops. I, I make a few calls. I go, hey, we'll put you on the list. Hey, guess what? I bumped you up to the front of the list. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Okay. Moved right up, got my pink bike. We're out the door. Who do you know, Jack the Ripper? <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, if you, Rick could ride that bike tonight, and that would be one heck of a sight. That would be. <laughs> yes. yeah, so. All right, so lots to do. I'm, I'm feeling good. I was tired, but I'm, I'm feeling good here. G got me my coffee 7-eleven should sponsor the show i drink this about every night but i don't know so they could sponsor news if they want um so lots to do so the big i guess the big story i felt like it was kind of a slow day now i was in the car the whole day so but but geo who does a lot of the prep for the show now because he's better at it than i am said it was a sl- it was kind of a slow day did you feel like it was a slow day as well no i thought there was a lot of stuff okay. kind of breaking and, and evolving and kind of things that were talked about or, or or referenced last week are now coming to a head things that uh you know you mentioned john solomon talking about what's going on in georgia more of that stuff is coming out today okay you got well, the uh you got the uh the defector from china that all of a sudden is starting to explode well that was my lead story because it seemed to me that that was one of the bigger stories of the day that I could, in the time I had, that seemed like one of the bigger stories that people were talking about, like that this is, this is a big deal. This could literally change. I mean, I saw someone tweet that, that, that this has already changed the Biden administration, Biden administration's positioning on um, the lab leak theory and why they've been so, uh, they've been more, more open to it. And re- I mean, obviously more open to it and, and have, you know, basically supported it um, because of this, because supposedly they got information from this. So the red state really got the scoop on this. Yeah, that's, that's a great article. You uh, reference that one. Chinese defectors identity confirmed was top counterintelligence official. Um, it says we now know the name of the Chinese defector who has been working with the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, for a few months and what his position within the Chinese military and government was, among other details. Matthew Brazil and Jeff Stein at Spy Talk reported on the quote-unquote rumor and gave the name and background of the rumored defector. They said, this is from their, I don't know if it's a podcast or what it is, but it said they said Chinese language, anti-communist media, and Twitter are abuzz this week with rumors that a vice minister of state security, Dong Jinwei, defected in mid-February, flying from Hong Kong to the United States with his daughter. He was a longtime official in China's Ministry of State Security, the MSS, also known as uh, the Guanamanbu, I guess. Is, I don't know how you would pronounce that. His, uh, his publicly available background indicates that he was responsible for the ministry's counterintelligence efforts in China, in other words, spy catching since being promoted to vice minister in April 2018. If the stories are true, he'd be the highest level defector in the history of the People's Republic of China. Back to Red State now, they say our sources have confirmed that the defector is, in fact, this gentleman, that he was in charge of counterintelligence efforts in China 
and that he flew to the United States in mid-February, allegedly to visit his daughter at a university in California. When he landed in California, he contacted DIA officials and told them about his plans to defect and the information he'd brought with him. He said, quote, hid in plain sight, unquote, for about two weeks before disappearing into DIA custody. According to Spy Talk, his name came up during the Sino-American Summit held in Alaska in March of 2021. Um, and they reference a tweet from a doctor, a Chinese defector, citing an unnamed source alleged that a China's foreign minister, Wang Yi, and Communist Party foreign affairs boss, Yang Jijie, demanded that the Americans return Dong and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken refused, according to this story. Red state sources say that Chinese officials did demand that the United States return uh, him, but Blinken didn't exactly refuse. At the time, Blinken was aware that Dong was with the U.S. government. The sources say they told China that the U.S. didn't have him. It's only in the last three to four weeks that anyone outside the DIA knew about this defector, according to red state sources. Prior to that time, DIA was vetting the information provided and confronting Langley officials with what they had learned without divulging the source and who they had learned it from. Experts quoted in the spy talk piece essentially say that the defection is just a rumor and that rumors happen all the time, but that if it's true, it's a big deal but, quote, not game-changing. Based on conversations with sources familiar with the information Dong has already provided and its quantity and reliability, that's simply not the case. Not only does he have detailed information about China's special weapons systems, the Chinese military's operation of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, hello, and the origins of SARS-CoV-2, hello, and the Chinese government's assets and sources within the United States. Hello. Uh, Dong has extremely embarrassing and damaging information about our intelligence community and government officials in the terabytes of data he's provided to the DIA. Some of the information provided by him was reported by the Washington Free Beacon earlier this week. So that's a little bit the first half of this story. And um, the chatter that I've seen on social media say that this is a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal, especially when you consider that DIA has kept him out of the, out of the realm of all the other intelligence agencies. Because I guess, well, maybe some people there knew that, hey, you know what? We've got some compromising stuff on the people from, uh, well, could be CIA, could be FBI, could be uh, other officials within the government. And that's what we're finding out, that, that, that this is what he's got, some of which of what he has. And it could be extremely embarrassing. I think I read, and, and I don't know that this is factual, but I did read somewhere that they think part of some of what he has is information that over half of all Chinese students in university in the United States are spies. Yeah. Oh, let, me say that, <laughs> let me say that again. Over half of all Chinese students in an American college and university here are spies. The Free Beacon reports that U.S. intelligence officials haven't come to a conclusion 
about whether or not the students being investigated were spies, but Red State is told that whether or not one wants to use the term spy, those students were sent back to the United States with specific information, gathering directives with the purpose of helping Beijing understand the U.S. government's response to the pandemic at a much deeper level than they could through publicly available documents. Those students, spies, were charged with reporting back on public policy changes, economic response and damage, impacts on the healthcare system, meaning equipment, hospital bed shortages, etc., supply chain impacts, including how long it took for things like semiconductors from China to reach the United States, civil unrest, and more. And I'll get to what else he has provided the DIA when we get back. This is just the beginning. Crazy, scary stuff. But don't worry, we have all the right people in place to deal with China. Sure. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B on a Friday. We're back right after this. past the hour live from studio 6b on a friday night uh wrapping up the week glad you're in we'll try to get to some uh, more uh, viewer emails We've got a n- my dudes that's what i gotta start i gotta start <laughs> opening dudes. the show with my dudes my live dudes. from studio 6b it's my dudes and um so let me just finish up before we do some news with rick delgado let me finish up on this um red state article on this defector from china in addition here's what he has provided the dia Besides the idea that half of all students here could be spies, he also has provided some of this. Uh, Number one, early pathogenic studies of the virus we now know as SARS-CoV-2. Number two, models of predicted COVID-19 spread and damage to the U.S. and the world. Now, I don't know if I don't know if these are models that they had already made up and I'm not sure what this means, but this is says this is what he's provided. It doesn't say where they came from, when these were made early pathogenic studies. I don't know if this means things that they had done in China before they released this on purpose or like models of predicted COVID-19 spread. I don't know if these, again, were made before. I don't know. Financial records detailing which exact organizations and governments funded the research on SARS-CoV-2 and other biological warfare research. Hello. Uh, Number four, names of U.S. citizens who provide intel to China. Number five, names of Chinese spies working in the U.S., or attending U.S. universities. Number six, financial records showing U.S. businessmen and public of, and public officials Oops. who've received money from the Chinese government. Uh, number seven, details of meetings U.S. government officials had, perhaps unwittingly, with Chinese spies. Eric Swalwell is going to be uh, in charge of this uh, part of the. Um, of the looking into and members of Russia's uh, SVR and number eight, how the Chinese government gained access 
to a CIA communication system leading <laughs> to the death of dozens of Chinese people who were working with the CIA. Dong also has provided DIA with copies of the contents of the hard drive on Hunter Biden's laptop, showing the information the Chinese government has about Hunter's pornography problem and about his and Joe's business dealings with Chinese entities. Some of the files uh, that he has provided shine a light on just how it was that the sale of um, Hennage's Automotive and their stealth technology to Chinese military manufacturer AVIC Auto, how it was approved. Again, according to sources, he told DIA debriefers that at least a third of, okay, it's a th- I'm sorry, I had it wrong. I thought it was a half. A third of Chinese students attending U.S. universities are Chinese assets or part of the Thousand Talents Plan and that many of the students are here under pseudonyms, fake names. One reason for using fake names is that many of these students are the children of high-ranking military and party leaders. This is unbelievable as you start to get this kind of a picture, if even half of this was true. The level and depth of China's infiltration into this country, as you listen to this, start to think about this. I mean, this is really unbelievable stuff. As we initially reported, DIA has high confidence in the veracity of Mr. Dong's claims. The fact that since our original report, which was poo-pooed by Langley apologists, the New York Times published a rare interview with Dr. Shi Zengali, the Batwoman. ABC News has started an investigation, quote-unquote, into COVID-19 origins. And now the actual name of the defector has been published in an anti-Trump CIA-friendly blog demonstrates what sources told Red State today. Quote, this defector has the rest of the intelligence community and the LEO community scared shless. <laughs> you would think. That's the end of the, of the Red State report. And by the way, speaking to that point, let me tell you who else has written about this today. Not just Red State. Ah, oh, conservative, Damon. Uh, rumors of U.S. secretly harboring top China official starts to swirl. Reports that a top Chinese official defected to the U.S. have swept Chinese language media this week. The alleged reason sharing sensitive information about COVID-19 origins. This would be in the Daily Beast. About as far left as you can get. So it, it's happening on both sides of the ideological spectrum, the coverage of, of this report, because... Again, this would basically change everything if it was even 50% true. Well, it it sounds like it's uh, at least 50% true, probably more. And what's amazing is that it's starting to drip out now. Now it's what, mid-June? When did he defect? Back in January. So you know in between now and then, and again, they, they, made, they made the point of saying they kept him away from everybody else. Nobody, nobody knew where this guy was. The Chinese demanded him back, you know, Blinken, whatever his name is. He's like, uh, he didn't know we had him because it was all hush-hush. They, they didn't know who to trust. As you can, it, it, when you read the article, you'll see some of that come through in the verbiage that they use, where, where it's basically they didn't know who to trust, so the DIA kept him away from everybody. And it's because of who he was able to name names 
and attach to uh, some nefarious activity against their own country. And I'm talking about Americans in our political and our corporate uh, uh, infrastructures. It's crazy. Now, I'm just, I'm just, I hadn't read the Daily Beast version. I'm just glancing through it. They take a little more of a, I don't know if I want to say poo-poo it. They're, they're basically giving out facts, but they're also putting things in here like um, former Pentagon State Department and CIA expert Nicholas Sefatimis, author of Chinese Espionage, Operations and Tactics, called the report, quote, exactly what it is, a rumor. It happens all the time, end quote in the information warfare between Beijing and anti-communist overseas Chinese. But he called Dr. Han, a pro-democracy activist with the Washington, D.C.-based Citizens Power Initiative for China Group, a straight shooter, not known to exaggerate in any way or form, and he's trusted for his integrity. So this seems to be just trying to get the facts out. They're not necessarily taking a position that this is all just, you know, spy games nonsense or if it's how much of it's possibly uh true who knows and who knows if we'll ever get all the details but you know that's a pretty tremendous report from red state yeah and especially when they mention the hunter biden stuff because that that you know let's face it we we've already you know heard a bunch of what's on that that uh, computer and some of the evidence that came out of there and now he's confirming it and obviously i guess china has a copy of it as well who knows what else they have on that family? So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks if that starts to unfold even more. Something else that's going to involve the Biden family. Well, turns out the Biden family is sending a big, uh, you know, double-barreled, uh, you know, capital F to everybody with its hires. Yeah. Walter Schaub, the director of the United States Office of Government Ethics under President Obama, said the Biden administration is sending a big... FU to the ethics experts by hiring so many relatives of senior White House officials. Press Secretary Jen Psaki, uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, Senior Advisor Anita Dunn, among others, have at least one direct family member already working for the Biden administration. He said, and I quote, I'm sorry, I know some folks don't like hearing any criticism of him, but this royally sucks, Shab wrote on Twitter uh, when he reacted to the article about the family ties of the Biden administration. A lot of us worked hard to tee him up to restore ethics to government and believe the promises, Shab added, calling the string of family hires a real blank you to us and government ethics. Even the head of presidential personnel who's supposed to be keeping them honest has a child who's a recent college grad working in the administration and the spouse of the White House chief of staff for crying out loud, Schaub wrote. I mean, he went off on Twitter um, naming names of about all these people that have kind of, they're just bringing family members in and the Biden administration is approving them for jobs, kind of keeping up the old, uh, the old good old boys, you know, deep swamp practice. All right. Sports and more news coming up. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Plus, we'll try to get to some of your emails. And I promise for those of you writing me emails that were disappointed last night, I will get to Joe Manchin tonight and play you that leaked phone call when we get back. Monday for an exclusive interview with former President Donald Trump. 
Don't miss Donald Trump on Water Cooler with David Brody, Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be there. All right, 30 minutes past the hour, I'll be there. <laughs> the only thing missing from that promo is him dancing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that'll be great, by the way. David Brody's... I mean, it's hard to be a better interviewer than David Brody is, by the way. And he's interviewed the president before. And uh, he's fantastic. And I'm sure it'll be fantastic on Monday, 3 o'clock. Make sure you tune it in, Real America's Voice, for that. Uh, all right, let's do some sports with Rick Amorati. Uh, what's going on, pal? <laughs> all right, big day, big one. U.S. Open Championship, round two today. Torrey Pines Golf Club South in La Jolla, California. Yeah, uh, yeah big day. Richard Bland uh, is the leader right now, although he's tied with Russell Henley, who's Who? on the 15th hole right now. Uh, Bland shot a 67 today for a two-day five-under. He's from England, Richard Bland. I'm not f- that familiar with him, D. And then Russell Henley, who was yesterday's leader, he is right now currently five-under, but only one-under today. He's on the 15th. They're on the West Coast, so they're still, they're still going on, still playing. And then uh, in uh, third place is the South African Louis Oosthuizen. He uh, shot a 71 today for a two-day four-under. So, Tight. It's going to be a good week, and I'm looking forward to it. Definitely going to catch the game. Get where's uh, Where's Big Philly? I couldn't even find him. I was looking for him. He's way that. I, I would say he's probably around forty something. But I'll have that. I'll have that the next segment. I was looking for him. D. I can't even find your best, your favorite guy, McElroy. Well, no, I'm Big Phil uh, Mickelson. Oh, Philly. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm thinking okay. of Philly's Southfield seventy six. I don't think Phil made the cut. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look. He, I think he had a rough day today, but I'll have a look on that, on Phil. And also, uh, of course, Rory. I know you're going to wonder where he's doing. We hope he didn't make the cut. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the U.S. Open, Bryson DeChambeau, I don't know if anybody caught that. He video bombed Brooks Kepka's interview <laughs> yesterday. So there's something going on there with these two guys. Yeah, well, yeah, there is. Maybe it's staged behind the scenes, but I don't know. Uh, but the rivalry between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka has been one of the best stories in golf this season. And DeChambeau wants to make sure he keeps it going. This is from Steve Del Vecchio of Larry Brown. Sports. Kepka was interviewed by Golf Channel's Todd Lewis after his opening round at the U.S. Open on Thursday. And DeChambeau happened to walk by once again, knowing full well what happened the last time he passed through a Kepka interview. And DeChambeau decided to intentionally become a part of the story. He <laughs> proceeded to jump up like this, waving his hands, and just proceeded to go on. So, anyway, the bad blood between Kepka and DeChambeau goes back quite a while. Kepka has openly criticized DeChambeau's playing style, and Bryson once trolled Brooks over his physique which uh, Kepka is known for his relaxed and carefree attitude, while DeChambeau obsessively obsesses over analytics and more is more of a golf junkie. So, so uh, DeChambeau's even yeah. right now, and Kepka's two under. So here's what we have to hope for. <laughs> a playoff. <laughs> Sunday playoff. We have to hope for Sunday they end up in the final two, oh, and then man. we have to hope that it goes to a playoff because in the U.S. Open, they don't do that day playoff. They do full 18-hole playoff. It's the only major that does that. They do not play like a like a sudden death. Go back to eighteen and play that, and who are, you know first one to win a hole wins. They play the full eighteen holes the next day on Monday. Oh wow, that would so be so. We have TV. to hope because that's a point that could be pay per view. That's absolutely, absolutely yeah. could be pay per view because the mental part of it will be the biggest part of it. Oh, that would so be that would be just that would be a Father's Day of. of Get on the couch and just never move. Oh, <laughs> it, it, and it would drive uh, Kepka, whatever his name is, crazy. It would drive to crazy. be to be having to sit there just next to the guy you hate. Yeah, so and we'll, and you we'll know he's just tormenting. It was like you know you're gonna miss a shot, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Moving over to NBA playoffs. Elimination games for both the number one seeds in the East and the West. Right now at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. It's been back and forth. The Hawks jumped out to an early lead over the Philadelphia Sixers, 20-8. Sixers came back to tie it right at the end of the first quarter, 29 all. But now the Hawks have jumped back up to an eight-point lead, up 39-31, with about seven minutes to go in the second quarter. Trey Young leads all scorers with 15. Trey Young is really a young and rising superstar. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, the rookie for the Sixers, leads them with nine. So we will be keeping an eye on that one. Also, game six out West Staples Center. The Jazz, the number one seeded Jazz, travel to Los Angeles to take on the Clippers. The Clippers looking to close that series out as they lead that series 3-2, as does Atlanta. So uh, again, we'll uh, we'll have a full report on that Monday, and I'll keep you updated on the Sixers. And the Bucks and Nets are heading to a game seven. That's tomorrow night at 8.30. That's going to be a good must-see TV from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, 8.30 p.m. Kyrie Irving has been ruled out for the Nets is with that continuing uh, ankle injury. So uh, that's going to be tough. I think, like Rick and I were saying earlier, Kevin Durant looked very tired last night. He, I think he really, really got worn down from that 48-minute performance on Tuesday night. And that's going to be some game tomorrow night, The guys. Nets could be in trouble. There's going to be a lot of pressure on that team. That's like an all-star team. Yeah. They, they made all these moves and spent all this money to win now. That's a pressure-filled situation right there indeed indeed major league baseball bottom fifth pirates pounding the indians six nothing mets and nationals tied zero zero bottom fourth top fourth uh blue jays and orioles also tied at one athletics and yankees tied at two in the top of the fifth Bottom third, Braves 5-1 over the Cards. Cubs 1-0 over the Marlins in the bottom first. Twins 3-0 over the Rangers, top first. White Sox 1-0 over the Astros, top first. And Red Sox and Royals tied at nothing, bottom first. NHL action, the Bell Center in Montreal. What do you know? Americans were allowed to fly to Canada and play hockey. They actually, Trudeau actually let them come in. Isn't that remarkable? Well, they're playing right now, uh, just about halfway through the first period, and I have no scores coming on to this report. Series is talking. 1-1 Canadians and Golden Knights. This is for a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals to take on the winner of the Tampa Lightning defending champions and the New York Islanders. Islanders dropped a tough one last night. 2-1 to one in the Coliseum. Tomorrow night is Game 4 with Tampa leading 2-1 to one, looking to take a commanding lead. Island is in a must-win big D, I think, out on the island tomorrow night. That's going to be a... They're not going to be able to come back if they can't pull it out tomorrow night. And no. even that series, they really must win that one. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. They lose that, it's over. No. It still might be over, but they have to win that. Yeah. And um, just a little more hockey news. Canadians head coach Dominique Deschamps positive for COVID-19. He must isolate from Zach Wasink of the Yard Barker. Montreal Canadiens are three wins away from competing in the Stanley Cup final, but they won't have their head coach on the bench for game three and might not have him for the remainder of the semifinal series versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Hours after stories surfaced that uh, coach uh, Dominique Deschamps was isolated, isolating during uh, COVID-19 testing irregularities. TSN's Darren Dreger and other outlets reported Deschamps Sean tested positive for the coronavirus and will miss at least Friday's Game 3 of the series, tied 1-1. The league confirmed the reports and noted that the head coach must isolate away from the team in accordance to NHL protocols. So that's not too easy playing without your head coach in a big semifinal game. Yeah. So, again, we'll keep an eye. Lots developing. I'll have more scores in the next segment. Back to you, Big D. All right, Rick. Thanks. Uh, let's do a little news here with Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? Uh, right from the uh, files of uh, Captain Obvious, something is going on. <laughs> U.S. politicians warn. What am I talking about? Well, a group of senior American politicians has warned that UFOs 
pose national con- security concerns. Who would have thunk it? Oh, I thought for sure you were going to go the Joe Biden, you know, the test mentally, uh, <laughs> some, some, you know. No, we talked about that last night. No, I know we did, but I just <laughs> I, I heard more about it today, and I oh, thought really? that's where you were going. No. I mean, just I'm still stunned by it that people, you know, I, I get the argument that it's if it was good for Trump, why is it not good for Biden? But, I mean, the, Trump and Biden mentally are like um, – yeah, worlds apart. On two different planets. I mean, it's not even, I mean, come on. It's not even close. Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, people saying, oh, geez, oh, wh- why would you want to have to test Biden? I mean, hello. <laughs> why wouldn't you, you, you want to? If you watch them for one day on any five-minute span of being in front of the camera, you have your answer. I mean, I mean literally. I, uh, that first day in Europe last week when he wanders into uh, where, where those people are sitting around having, having lunch or what have you. And Jill has to like, uh, uh, Joe, come here, over here. It's almost like she's 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 calling the pet, like, yeah. come here, boy. I mean, come by on. the way, it would go a long way to help Joe more than it would have helped ever help Trump. It would go a long way to help Joe if you if if someone seriously came out and, and who people could think they trust and said this was a uh, we did this and and there's nothing wrong and uh, he just uh, of his age he's, he shows typical uh, response of someone his age and then. Then you can make your determination on whether you think that's good or not for the country. But, you know, it might go a long way to put some of this to rest. But, I mean, I doubt they're ever going to, you know, he's ever would do it. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, he had his uh, Gaffapalooza tour last week uh, where he misspoke many times. He, he, like I said, he wandered into that uh, lunch area and they had to kind of kind of pull him out of there. Um, he was, uh, you know, just he had his notes with him. He was making closing remarks in French, and he was saying the wrong stuff. And then he says, oh, I keep forgetting I'm president. Um, you know, just gaff after gaff, and, and people just like, oh, you know, he, he's okay. He's good. He's good. No, he's, he's the leader. 80 million. He's good. So, but back to the UFOs. Speaking of Joe Biden, <laughs> like I mentioned, that group of American politicians putting out that warning that the UFOs might you know, pose national security concerns after getting a confidential briefing on a highly anticipated report on unidentified aerial phenomena that is uh, set to be released in just maybe even uh, next week, later this month. Some members of Congress were given advanced details about the contents of the Pentagon report, which is scheduled to be released before the 25th of June. Clearly, this is Tim Burchett, a Republican congressman out of Tennessee, said, clearly something's going on we can't handle. Uh, in recent years, a series of government videos showing unidentified aerial phenomenons, or UAPs, we call them UFOs in the real world, have been released, including footage from a Navy F-18 fighter jet, which showed an, ob- an oblong object flying through the sky near San Diego in 2004. We take these issues of unexplained aerial phenomena seriously to the extent that we're dealing with the safety and security of U.S. military personnel and national security interest of the United States, said Sean Patrick Maloney, a Democratic congressman out of New York, and he said that to the New York Post. Last week, Louis Elizondo, we, the, the gentleman we saw a couple weeks ago on CBS 60 Minutes, the former director of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, told the Post, New York, uh, Washington Post, that UFOs pose a serious threat. In this country, we have incidents where these UFOs have interfered and actually brought offline our nuclear capabilities. We have data that suggests in other countries these things have interfered with their nuclear technology and turned them on and put them online. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about this. Really? Well, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. One, I, I sometimes I some days I I think that eh, there could be something out there, and then there's uh, the most days I just think that we're going to find out that it's George Lucas and his buddies got together, and uh, I don't know. Well, remember that in the '60s, a bunch of the reports that came out of the West were us testing spy planes. So it could be something that we're testing and not telling anybody about. Yeah. Yeah, could be that too. See, I lean more towards something like that. Or uh, like I said, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg got together and said, hey, let's have some fun. Or, or, I don't know. Then that this is um, that we really have to worry about little green guys coming down and saying, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to be green or, or what have you. It's it's the technology, I think, that they're all afraid of. It's something that, you know, and again, you know, if you remember, recall last year when Trump was talking about the military and he kind of bragged, they got things that people don't understand how great, you know, some of the stuff we have. Maybe this is the kind of the stuff he was talking about. Who knows? We just don't know, but I guess we'll find out more. Again, that report is due out uh, the week of J- June 25th, so that could be uh, in, the, in the next week, really. Okay, and so. you're going to read it in full and give us a yes. full uh, breakdown, right? Yes, of course. Okay. Because I'm into that stuff. <laughs> Live on the Pluto channel. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing we're on Pluto TV because Rick, uh, Rick will tell you all about uh, hey, you know whoever, what? whoever's coming. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Come on. to the hour live from studio 6b on a friday night so i played a little bit of this but people must be interested because i got emails last night saying you said you were going to do this and you didn't so uh joe manchin as we've talked many a times people give him too much credit for being uh you know this guy who's um center even right center i mean he's just you know joe manchin's a liberal democrat now, if you want to say he has some common sense, oh, you're fine. I, I mean, you can maybe define it that way. But I, I, I wouldn't go too far. And as I've said all along, I wouldn't. We may have to hold our hopes that uh, him and Kristen Cinema are our firewall here between total socialism and Marxism with the Biden administration. And we have to hold our nose and hope that, that's, that they hold up. But uh, Joe Manchin's already showing some cracks in the, in the veneer, as they say. Uh, Joe mentioned phone call leaks and could have possible massive implications. Senator Joe Manchin has been one of just two Democrats with Kristen Cinema to continually say that they are not open to abolishing the filibuster. To, his, to this point, the filibuster has stood in the way of Democrats seeking to pass all manner of absolute insanity when it comes to these bills. Previously, we opined that Cinema seemed more resolute than Manchin regarding her position. If you remember, I played quickly that video of her. Uh, she was, I believe, in Arizona with uh, Senator John Cornyn, and she was asked about it from the press. And, um, you know, she said, listen, the filibuster is what um, makes us have to try to find some conformity, some middle ground. And I don't think 
every four years or two years that the country should be swaying hard left or hard right, depending. That's why the filibuster's there. And I, I mean, I thought she made an okay case. And then, of course, the uh, reporter starts pleading with her because, of course, he's an activist, not a reporter. But I, so you mean there's no wiggle room from you? And she says, well, no. Um, so back to this article, it says, Cinema seems to be more resolute than Manchin regarding her position. And uh, that may be a good bet. A leaked phone call between Joe Manchin and a political advocacy group, advocacy, advocacy group reveals that uh, Manchin's being attempted by the West Virginia senator behind the scenes. Uh, not only is Manchin signaling that he's open to now abolishing the filibuster, but he's also targeting specific Republicans to try to get the so-called January 6th commission passed. And this leaked call really gives you an insight to how the wheeling and dealing happens in Washington, D.C. with these millionaire and billionaire donors. So let me remind you, 50G, this is, um, this is Joe Manchin basically telling this billionaire donor on the phone, basically saying, I've got people who <laughs> I think... If you dangle enough money in front of them, may be willing to play ball. I mean, that's what I hear when I listen to this. You can make your own judgment. He brings up four people. Senator Roy Blunt, who's retiring, and then uh, three other Republicans who he thinks are basically soft enough that um, you throw a little money their way and they may be able to say, oh, okay, uh, uh, Joe, I'll play ball. So here's the first part of this leak call, uh, 51G, roll that. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of many good, uh, good suggestions I've had. I looked back in 19, I think no, it was no, Stop it, that's my fault. Fifth, that's the one about the filibuster, we'll get to that in a second. 50 is the one I want to start with, so roll 50. Right now what I'm asking for, I need to go back, I need to find three more Republican, good Republican senators that'll vote for the uh, commission so the least we can tamp them down to what people say Republicans won't even do the simple lift, the common sense of basically voting to do a commission that was truly bipartisan. Uh, you know, so once the people, and it really, it, it, it just really uh, uh, emboldens the uh, far left saying, I showed you, I, you know, uh, how's that bipartisan working for you now, Joe? Uh, those are the hard things. That's where I need help, Dan. Dan, here's the thing. Let me just tell you. Okay, let, I'll give you some names here. Roy Blunt is a great, just a good friend of mine, a great guy, okay? You would like to think that Roy's retiring. If some of you all who might be worried, working with Roy in his next life could tell him that would be nice and help our country, that would be very good to get him to change his vote, and we're going to have another vote on this thing. They'll give me one more shot at it. The Democrats will. Uh, if I ask Schumer and push him, says, Chuck, I'd like to have another vote first before you rule this out completely on this bipartisan commission. You've got that. You've got basically a Richard Burr who voted for the impeachment, but then he didn't vote for this for whatever reason. And I know he thought because we're doing all these other commissions, we're not really truly doing a bipartisan commission out of the political realm that we're in right now. And, and I've got four people. i got Steve Baines in Montana. I think that someone should be worked on Jerry Moran in Kansas, Richard Burr uh, in uh, North Carolina, and Roy Blunt in Missouri. Uh, we already have seven. Uh, we have seven, including Pat Tooney, that have already voted for it. Six voted for it. Uh, Pat wasn't there, but Pat already indicated he would have voted for it. So we're going to reaffirm that anybody that knows Pat Tooney. But if we could go back and show that we 
reevaluated. We can do this commission. The only thing I can tell you on that commission, uh, they were having every reason why they weren't going to support it. First of all, it wasn't balanced. Uh, the, the, the count as far as the people on the committee was weighted for the Democrats. We got that changed to where it's five and five. The chairman and co-chairman had equal amounts of input. If they disagreed, then it basically goes to where we don't proceed. If it doesn't, they don't agree on the outcome or something that comes up in that commission. And next of all, if they run into uh, loggerheads and can't get it, that's what we have to do. If Roy could re-engage and we could get this passed, I can guarantee you it calms down everyone that's beating me to death on what makes you think that you live in la-la land now, you're in fantasy world, so you're not in the real world. What makes you think that Republicans will vote for anything if they wouldn't even do a bipartisan commission? That's why it's important to pray for us to try to get it done. It's important if you can get Lloyd to do it. So let me set the table on who he's talking to here as he's trying to wheel and deal this thing. Um, this group is called uh, No Labels, a big money operation co-founded by Senator Joe Lieberman from Connecticut that funnels high net worth donor money to conservative Democrats and moderate Republicans. Among the gathering's newsworthy revelations, Manchin described an openness. Uh, well, that's coming up. I'm going to play you that part of the call in a second. So here's who's on the call. Uh, billionaires, Lewis Bacon, chief executive of More Capital Management, Kenneth Tuckman, founder of global outsourcing company Teletech, Howard Marks, the head of Oak Tree Capital, one of the largest private equity firms in the country. The Zoom participant log included a dial-in from uh, Tudor Investment Corporation, which of course is billionaire hedge fund uh, Paul Tudor Jones. Also present was a roster of, of heavy-hitting political influencers, including Republican consultant Ron Christie and Joe Lieberman himself, who serves as a representative of No Label and now advises the corporate interest. So here's the second part of the call. Do we have time for this, G? All right, here's the second part on the filibuster. Roll that. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of many good, uh, good suggestions I've had. I looked back in 19, I think it was 73, when it went from 67 votes to 60 votes. And also, what was happening, what made them think that it needed to change. So I'm open to looking at it. I'm just not open to getting rid of the, of the filibuster. That's all. And uh, right now, 60 is where I've planted my flag. Uh, but I'm, uh, as long as they know that I'm going to protect this filibuster, we're looking at good solutions. I've had everything offered to me that says, I think basically it should be 41 people should have to push the issue versus the 60 that we need in an affirmative. Okay, so stop. Five, so so th that's your key to the whole call. That's the key to the whole call. So he will, he doesn't want to get rid of it, but he's <laughs> he's open to reducing it from 60 to 41 well, that's getting rid. Of, that's getting rid of it, Joe. I mean, that's getting rid of it. So, yeah. all right, let's hit the break, and then we'll discuss this when we get back. Oh.
right, hour two live from Studio 6B. So a lot of people asking me about uh, what's on the desk in front of me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I got a bunch of... I was of, just going to uh, ask you that. I got a bunch of uh, messages about that as well. Sock puppets. Um, here's the letter that came with it. It says, uh, Dear LFS6B, I want to thank you so much for sending uh, this book to the Studio 6B. I enjoy these four reporters so much. I laugh with them so much. Here, they sent this to America, Real America's Voices corporate offices. Here are their names. And then they spelled out our names, Damon, Rick, Rick, and Paul. Um, please pass this forward to them. Thanks again, signed M. And it only says M. So I wish I knew who it was, but it only says M. And uh, it doesn't say, these are hand-knitted, but they don't say exactly what they're exactly for. What they are. So they're right now, they're, well, they're keeping these bottles of Tabasco warm. (laughs) But uh, so these little guys, I'm keeping them here in front of me because I appreciate who, uh, M, I don't know if it's Mary or Millie or who it is, but that's all it said on the letter. It said, signed to M. And so here they are. So if you're watching, thank you very much. Here they are. And send us an email to LFS6B <laughs> at Yahoo.com of maybe full name, and we'll acknowledge who you are. Um, but thank you very much either way. Yeah. And I'll keep them here. They're, they're good luck here for the show because the viewers of this show are the best audience in television and radio. Oops. Uh, television. And... Um, yeah, so I want to acknowledge what they are because I was waiting to see if we were going to get somebody. I put them out the other night waiting to see if someone said, oh, I see my stuff, so I knew who it was. Because <laughs> no, it just says M. Just says M. Yeah, So, but I did not get anything. So, But that's the story behind these. That's what they are. So, um, All right, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Make sure you follow us on social media, uh, facebook.com slash LFS6B. Please make sure you follow and like us at Facebook. Uh, you know, every day, our Facebook team always sends out invites to people. If you've ever watched a video on our Facebook page, if you've liked it, if you've hearted it, loved it, hated it, angry, happy, anything, uh, we've invited you to like the page. So if you're, if you're on Facebook still, um, I know many of you don't like social media and you yell at me for promoting it or even being on there. But I mean, realistically, there's no other choices right now. We're on Parlor. Uh, and we're on other things, but I mean, Facebook is where we live. Most of our content lives right now. So uh, like the page, follow the page. Great stuff on Facebook, Twitter, at LFS6B, Parlor, Rumble, YouTube, all of it. Follow us everywhere we are. So make sure you follow us on social media. So, uh, all right, back. To, let's just finish with Joe Manchin here, and then we'll do, we'll do some news. So Joe's saying that he's open. Oh, I don't want to get rid of the filibuster, but oh, by the way, I'm open to listening to great... Uh, proposals to maybe reduce it down to 41 well if you reduce it to 41 joe i mean that's pretty much what's the difference between getting rid of it and reducing it to 41 yeah i mean can you go back and look at the last time either party had less than i mean less than 35 or even 41 exactly the number i i think you'd have to go a long time yeah 41 doesn't really doesn't really save anything it's like, well, you can still call it a filibuster. Oh, great. Okay. So just to finish this article, it says, Joe Manchin admitting he's a liar to a bunch of billionaires. Corporate interest is pretty on brand. For the life of me, 
I have no idea why West Virginians and, and a lot of Americans continue to believe this guy is anything other than the Democrat that he is. But um, he's not even a Democrat with principles, far left or otherwise. Rather, he's a throwback to the crony capitalist blue dog wing playing harmless moderate while always seeming to find a way to go against his constituents. Regardless, the implications here could be huge. If Manchin is now scheming to blow up the filibuster, unless he gets Republicans buy-in on Democrat priorities, that puts everything in a very precarious position, leaving cinema as possibly the last line of defense for Republicans. And while I generally like cinema, she's still a Democrat. Manchin's position seemed to be, quote, let me cut your head off. Or I'll uh, cut your head off, unquote. <laughs> that's not good news for the GOP that's been relying on him to hold the line, given he's from the reddest state in the union. Yet the fact that this call was leak, leaked does change things. For starters, Senator Roy Blunt, who Manchin named specifically as a weak Republican to be flipped, won't be able to cross that aisle now without looking like a total chump. Manchin's cover is also blown in regards to using the filibuster as leverage. No Republican is going to trust him uh, past this point, and it likely means any bipartisan infrastructure deal is dead, which, by the way, is a good thing. Whoever leaked this probably did it precisely because they wanted to thwart Manchin's plan. That's the silver lining here for Republicans. Will Manchin walk all of this back when he's asked about it? Well, we may find out if he's asked about it. Some reporter is going to shove a mic in his face, probably the first chance they get. Well, I don't know about that. And I don't know that he has been asked about it since it leaked a couple days ago. Um, So those are the two main takeaways from that point, from this call. Um, And it just shows you, again, and I've said this all along, right? You can can hope that they're going to hold the line, but this is why it's called the swamp and... This is what you get. So we'll, well see. You know, and like you said, it's a good thing somebody decided to leak that call because now we get to see, okay, what is going on and how they're, you know, how the sausage is made, so to speak, and what what horse trading is going on. And he's suggesting, well, you know, if you reach out to this guy and offer him a job, wink, wink, you know, you can get, uh, you can get what you want from him. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So uh, we'll do news here, G. Then we'll do sports in two. Uh, let's do some news here. Rick Delgado, what's going on? All right. In a nationally televised interview in January, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensberger rattled off imp- an impressive list of measures that a state used to ensure the November election account was accurate. We had mm-hmm. a safe, secure, honest election, he yeah. declared on 60 Minutes. That rosy assessment, however, masked an ugly truth inside his own ag- agency's files. A contractor handpicked to monitor the election counting in Fulton County wrote a 29-page memo back in November outlining the quote-unquote massive election integrity failures and mismanagement that he witnessed in the Atlanta area's election centers. The bombshell report constructed like a minute-by-minute diary cited a litany of high-risk problems such as double counting of votes, insecure storage of ballots, possible violations of voter privacy, mysterious removal of election materials of a vote collection warehouse, a suspicious movement of too many ballots on election day, just to say the least. This seems like a massive chain of custody problem, the contractor Carter Jones warned in the memo delivered by his firm Seven Hill Strategies to Raffensperger's office shortly after the election. 
That glaring notation was written at about 4 p.m. on Election Day when Jones observed absentee ballots arriving at the county's central absentee scanning center at Atlanta State Farm Arena in rolling bins 2,000 at a time. He said, it is my understanding is that these ballots are supposed to be moved in numbered sealed boxes to protect them, he wrote, noting these ballots were not. He also feared that the flow of absentee ballots seemed too voluminous, too many ballots coming in uh, for secure ballot uh, black ballot boxes, he observed. You can read a full uh, full report on justthenews.com where I'm getting this story from. So it's uh, you know just another piece of the puzzle, or, or I should say, uh, yeah, I guess you could say the piece of the puzzle that's kind of kind of pulling apart, falling apart in Georgia. Not only that, but but Jones also raised concerns about the temporary workers brought in by a firm called Happy Faces to scan and count the ballots. Um, turns out, Happy Faces is run by none other than Stacey Abrams. So you have to look out for that as well. And. Jones expressed larger concerns about these temporary, this temporary staffing agency's recruiting of workers and what Happy Faces was doing to vet the people that they were sending in to make sure that uh, things were being done correctly. Speaking of Stacey Abrams, I mean, she has uh, her, her and um, a couple other Democrats I've seen now all of a sudden come out. Uh, Warnock there, I think, in the senator from Georgia. It's like they, again, it's one of these situations where they forget that we have like YouTube and video of these things. <laughs> They've done though, like a complete 180 on some of this, on, on vote. Now all of a sudden they're for voter ID. They, what? <laughs> look, look, just here's one example. Uh, roll that, G. That's one of the fallacies of Republican talking points that have been deeply disturbing. No one has ever objected to having to prove who you are to vote. It's been part of our nation's history since the inception of voting. Voters without a driver's license or state ID must surrender their personal information and risk identity theft just to receive an absentee ballot. And then there are the 200,000 Georgia voters who don't have either ID and the putative free ID that is not free when you factor in the cost of transportation and the cost of underlying documents. You can read the full list of objections to SB202 at StopJimCrow2.com. <laughs> That's not even 60 days. That's not even 60 days apart. And Warnock's the same thing. He's uh, oh, I don't, I never said. Uh, oh yeah, we're we're for voter ID in Joe Manchin's thing now. Oh, we we could support Joe Manchin's. Uh, I mean, the wheeling and dealing that's going on, and and the rewriting of. I mean, not only history on on their part, as uh, like Stacey Abrams, I just showed you, who thinks she still won that she's the governor. By the way, oh, so, um, you know what? To, to her credit, she seems to have more power than the governor. She had a lot of influence in this past election, more than more than uh, I think anybody realized. But think about Biden's um, press conference in the in the White House when he when he referred to all this as Jim Crow 2.0, and he was uh, all the questions he was getting, and he the way he was, I mean, just the pure uh, demagoguery that was coming from him on this Georgia voting bill. And now all of a sudden you're starting to see Democrats come out and say, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're all for voter ID. Did they read H.R. 1? <laughs> Have they talked to Nancy Pelosi? Do they know what their party's trying to push? We, I mean, we've interviewed Phil Klein about this. We've interviewed um, – who else did we talk to about H.R. 1? A lot of, a lot of people. 
Yeah, but I think they I also mean, conveniently forget that they uh, they forced the Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game because of it. That too. Yep. Government takeover of your elections here. But all of a sudden now they're off. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. They're all trying to CYA because things, things are starting to unravel. And I think they're starting to see the writing on the wall that this could get very, very ugly for them. So I saw the uh, Colorado governor today decided to say, um, I'm banning <laughs> any, um, any of these fraudulent uh, audits of the election. I'm thinking to myself, okay, guilty, guilty. <laughs> go there, right? Everybody go there right now. That's the first place we got to go check. Any governor that preempts and comes out and says, oh, by the way, I'm banning. We're not, we're not doing any of these fraudulent audits here. Well, that's the first place you got to go. Yeah, you you, you got to be over the, the first place you got to go. You, you can tell you they're over the target when they start freaking out like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that's the first place I'm going. One way ticket, book it right now, Colorado. Here we come. I mean, that's the first place you go. It's like when you got a girl hiding in the closet. Well, no, nobody's here. I'm here by myself. And I just stand in front of the closet. What do you think? I heard in the closet. Right. <laughs> I hide someone in the closet. That's stupid. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do a little sports here with uh, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, U.S. Open Championship, um, the rounds have finished, and uh, Russell Henley ended up with a five-under tied with Richard Bland. Um, he was on the 17th. He was actually six-under today, but um, he uh, ended up tied. So we have uh, Richard Bland and Russell Henley at the top, and then in second place behind them trailing is uh, Louis Oosthuizen. And then we also have Rory Mack. Roy, he's tied for 20th. He shot one over, as you mentioned earlier. And lefty Phil Mickelson tied at 42. He's got a very good chance. He's got a two-day uh, two-day three-over. He's got a shot. And then Kepka and DeChambeau are tied at 13th. They're both even. So we're going to have a very interesting next two days uh, at the championships. Possibly three days. <laughs> we have to hope they play together on Sunday. Or Saturday. Or tomorrow. They're both dead even now, you said? Dead even. Yep. <laughs> so they could very well play together yeah. tomorrow. That'd be fun. Oh, my God. The draw of all draws. That'll be too funny. Uh, Major League Baseball right now. Pirates 11-1 over the Indians. Top seven. Uh, bottom of the six. Nationals and Mets tied zip-zip. Uh, Orioles 2-1 over the Blue Jays in the bottom of the sixth. The Athletics, the Oakland A's just went up 5-3 over the Yankees in the top of the seventh. Uh, Braves all over the Cardinals, 9-1, to top five. Cubs and Marlins, right now the Marlins leading 5-2 in the top of the fourth. The Twins lead the Rangers 3-2, bottom third. Also bottom third, White Sox over the Astros, 1-0. Red Sox 1-0 over the Royals, top of the third. And Brewers and Rockies tied 0-0, bottom of the second. And uh, NHL action right now. Golden Knights and Canadians both still tied 0-0 uh, about five minutes into the second period at the Bell Center in Montreal. Big game three, uh, series tied 1-1. 
NBA action, State Farm Arena. The Sixers now have gone up. They were last checked 69-61. They are leading the Hawks up by eight. Playing with a lead is very dangerous. Uh, but uh, <laughs> right now, Trey Young leads all scorers. He's got 21. And Seth Curry heating up for the Sixers with 19. Don't forget, we have the Jazz and the Clippers out west in L.A. Staples Center. That series right now, Clippers looking to close it out and send the number one seeded Jazz home for the year and move on to the NBA Finals. So uh, we'll have a report on the Sixers game in my last segment uh, later on tonight. Let's go to the rodeo, Friday night rodeo, the Strawberry Days Rodeo, Pleasant Grove, Utah, at Strawberry Days. That's the arena, Strawberry Days. Bareback riding, Cooper Bennett on Red Lady, had an 88. Saddle Bronc, we, Saddle Bronc, we got a three-way tie. Alan Bohr on Jitterbug, Leon Fountain on Bitter Dan, and Tanner Butner on Higher Standards, all scored an 85 earlier today. Bull riding, we have Boudreaux Campbell on Silver Bandit with an 89.5. Steer wrestling, Jake Ashworth with a 3.5 second uh, wrestle. That's a great score. Team roping, Hagen Peterson and Jace Nielsen, 4.7 seconds. Tie down, Chris McQuiston uh, with an 8.3. And with the Bauer racing, Mika Farr with a 17.33. That rodeo is going through Sunday. And again, we'll have our good old rodeo wrap-up and the Slick Rick Report on Monday. One more story, Big D for this segment. Bill's wide receiver, Cole Beasley, vows to live life like I want amid backlash to anti-vaccine remarks. This is from Marcel Louise Jacques of the ESPN. Buffalo, New York. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Cole Beasley released a statement on Twitter earlier today in response to the sharp backlash he has received on social media disclosing that he is not vaccinated and pledging to live my life like I want to regardless. I will be outside doing what I do, he wrote. I'll be out in public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. I'm not going to take meds for a leg that isn't broken. I'd rather take my chances with COVID and build up my immunity that, that way. I'll play for free this year to live life how I've lived it from day one. If I'm forced into retirement, so be it. Wow. Beasley also claimed a lot of other NFL players agree with his stance, but aren't in the right place in their careers to be out so outspoken. By speaking his mind, Beasley said he hopes he's doing his part to represent those particular players. Unvaccinated players will be required to test for COVID-19 every day, must wear masks throughout the team facility and during travel. They will also not be allowed to use the sauna, steam rooms, or subject to weight room capacity limits, and may not leave the team hotel to eat in restaurants or interact with anyone outside of the team when they travel on the road with the uh, with during the season. So, good for Cole Beasley stepping up for his rights, Big D. I mean, all, we keep saying it only takes one, and yeah. now here's your one, and now unfortunately it looks like he's going to get no help. Now, if, if you one turned into five, and five turned into ten, and ten turned into fifty, well, they, the NFL would have, what are they going to do? What are they going to do if it's, if, it's, if it's significant players? What, are they not going to play them? Exactly. You know, you know, again, it, it, you got to push back on nonsense. Yep. You got to push back on this nonsense. Good for Especially Cole. now as things are starting, you know, look what happened in, in Michigan. The governor sees the polling and what does she do? Immediately lifts all the restrictions. I mean, come on. I mean, see, you got to see through these frauds for what they are and call it out. Yeah. I mean, look what happened in New York. As soon as all the the bad stuff started to be exposed from Cuomo, all, all, all of a sudden restrictions got lifted. Oh, you can start doing everything again. Well, it also doesn't uh, doesn't hurt that his daughter's wedding is coming up. Right, I think that's this weekend. Yeah. So, uh-huh. are any other news, uh, Rick Delgado? Any other news? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got stuff. Uh, former President Trump. Yes, 
Today, he officially backed the challenger to the 2022 re-election bid of Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, uh, the Republican in name only. Uh, Trump issued his support for former Alaska Commissioner of Administration Kelly Shabaka in a statement put out by the leadership PAC Save America, according to The Hill. Kelly Shabaka, he said, is the candidate who can beat Murkowski, Trump wrote, a fighter who stands for Alaska's values and America first. She is MAGA all the way. Trump also said Murkowski has got to go. I look forward to campaigning in Alaska for Kelly Shabaka. This she has my complete and total endorsement. Shabaka entered the race for the 2022 Senate election in March, saying during her announcement, I'm in. We're going to defeat Lisa Murkowski and show D.C. insiders what happens when Alaska has a strong conservative leadership. Shabaka also hired National Public Affairs, a a consulting firm, to uh, help with her with her election. And, uh, you know, hopefully this will lead to uh, her winning the seat and ousting uh, Lisa Murkowski. She also said, I am honored, excited and grateful to have the support of the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Shabaka said after Trump endorsed her to have his strong endorsement is great news for our campaign and even better news for the people of Alaska. Yeah, This is where the former president can be really effective, especially backing good conservative candidates that go against rhinos uh, like her perfect situation let's hope that there's more that he finds across the country who are running against some of these other ones and and not back some establishment candidates as he often does like we did in alabama when mo brooks was running he was back in um uh tuberville yeah who's pretty much been a disaster so let's hope uh, let's hope this is where he can be very effective for the republican party even before he decides if he's going to run or not. All right, what else, Rick? All right, well, hundreds of people concerned about the integrity of the November 2020 election gathered outside Michigan's Capitol Thursday to protest and deliver roughly 7,000 affidavits claiming fraud and demanding a forensic audit. Michigan Conservative Coalition spokesperson Matt Seeley said thousands of Michigan voters have questioned the integrity of the 2020 election. He said, and I quote, if we do a deep dive forensic audit similar to Arizona, and we know that they uh, sent a delegation from Michigan to check out what they were doing in Arizona, it will do one of uh, it will do one of two things, he said in an interview. It'll prove that all the politicians who say there's nothing to see there, that they were right. Or it will prove that there were big problems with the integrity of our election and that we need to address it in a major way. Seeley said the election integrity isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. He cited one poll saying that 70 percent of Republicans don't believe the 2020 election was free and fair. Another survey says between 20 and 30 percent of Democrats said it was very likely that Democrats stole votes stole votes or destroyed pro-Trump ballots in several states to ensure Biden's win. If politicians who are trying to stop this from taking place truly believe there's nothing to see here, then what could the harm be in just proving the electorate that the concerns are unwarranted? So there you have it. Uh, more election stuff happening across the country. It's, it's unfolding. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. More news, a little more sports. When we get back, glad you're in. We'll see if we can get to more of your emails as well.
Tune in Monday for an exclusive interview with former President Donald Trump. Don't miss Donald Trump on Water Cooler with David Brody, Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be there. All right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night, wrapping up a good week. Let's uh, get to a couple videos I want to get to here. We'll do some news. So we put this on our Facebook. I mentioned it just at the closing of the show last night. And, um, man, I think it's got over 100,000 views on our Facebook page already. So uh, Rick wanted to show this on the show as well. So this is the, the dad who went to the school board meeting that I told you about. It's on our Facebook page. If you, but if you haven't seen it, uh, 63G, here it is. Roll that. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other. That's pretty much what it's going to, that's pretty much, I don't care what say, it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids? This white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, because only got five minutes now. <laughs> no mom, no dad in the house. Work my way through college. Sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You gonna tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and said, well, son, you're never gonna be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't gonna be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't gonna let you get no, oh, you know you're not gonna be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man gonna keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black kids. Mother dog will sit there and just pee, must pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. Lastly, we are talking about our kids. We are talking about our children. What's so sickening about me, I love the Discovery Channel. You will see that on the Discovery Channel, animals will put their lives on the line to protect their children from danger. Nobody want to get to the heart of the matter, get to the meat of the matter, get to the moral of the story. It all comes down to it. The person that's going to be suffering from this, the ones going to be hurt from this is the kids. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it going to be? Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on and blame for this? Because this is stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the communities. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. Ain't not one white person ever going to keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff, BS. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's as good. I mean, if you scripted it and said, here, read this, you, 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 you couldn't have. I mean, that, that's just as pure and as strong and as truthful and as accurate as you could possibly be in talking about this.
Yeah, and is real. His name is uh, Ty Smith. He made those comments at the Illinois District 87 school board meeting. Um, and, you know, he hits it out of the park because he hits him right in the face with facts. And we all know that liberal wackos, Marxists, they don't like facts because facts, uh, they, they can't really handle them. But he's a walking, talking fact that critical race theory is, is racism, basically racism. So that's what they want to teach all the kids. And he's recognized it and good for him that he stood up and, you know, kind of made it known that, you know what, nobody, nobody kept him down. And he, it sounds like he came from about as uh, uh, no mom, no dad in the house about as bad a situation. But, you know, again, we're getting so far away in this country in so many respects from individualism and the democratic party say what you want. They, they don't want, they don't like individualism. They want groups. They want to put you in groups. They want, they want to look at you as a group or a thing or a this. They, they don't like the idea of individualism, not, not deciding for yourself, not being able to have upward mobility for yourself based on your own decisions. I mean, it's almost to the point where they, they don't want any individual decisions. They don't want you to have the ability to decide for yourself. This whole group think, and I mean, it's just, and he's the perfect example encapsulated that in that two and a half minutes. Yeah, he's basically, you know, that's what you might call the American dream. Here's somebody who started out with nothing in a very tough situation, fought his way through, and now he's, now he's made it. Like he says, he's got a, he's a doctor with two degrees. He's, uh, he's, he's running things. He's overseeing groups of people that kind of look like everybody's sitting there. Um, you know, and he seems like a young guy, but he's got it together. It kind of also reminds me of Dr. Ben Carson. Didn't have the greatest upbringing. Remember, he talks about how his mom, you know, gave up everything to try and get him, you know, uh, get him uh, a better education. And, and he was going down a bad road, uh, but got straightened out. He and didn't how, come from how, the best, you know. Yeah, and how does he, how do you get there? You get there by hard work. You get there by believing in yourself that no one can hold you down. You get there by by doing what you think is best for you. By, I mean, this this guy is the perfect example of of all of that. I mean, it's just a tremendous story. It's a tremendous speech. I mean, it's just a tremendous way to look at the world, to look at yourself. To, to say I'm not going to be held back by my situation because I'm in a place that affords me the ability to succeed through what's in place. The only person that can stop me is me. The only person yeah. that can put roadblocks up is me. And anything else that's thrown in front of me, I can get around. No matter what it is, I'll find a way. And the problem is too many people don't have that attitude anymore. They want to, they, because you're being forced to rely on some, either whether it's government or, or, I mean, just look at what's going on right now with, with people not going back to work. It's not, it's not because they're, it's not because anymore you can say, well, they're getting COVID relief. They're getting welfare at this point. There's a massive expansion of welfare at this point is what, it, what all of this is. Yeah. And another great point that he makes is that he's talking to people in his community. You know, he's talking to other people and saying, look, and and he he points it out. They don't believe what you're selling. They don't believe this this you know race war that oh my goodness everybody's suppressed because of the evil white man. They're not buying it. 
Because I guess, you know, maybe maybe they're looking around going, you know what? Uh, that's not really the case. I don't see that happening. I don't see all these, uh, all these white people coming in and beating us and keeping us down. It just doesn't happen. You walk down any street, you can, you can have conversations with people, and they're not going to be looking at you like, oh, you're suppressing me. Only, of course, unless you've been indoctrinated to think that, which, again, that's what they're trying to do by introducing this garbage, this racism garbage into the schools. Get them when they're young. You know, that, that video of those two little kids running together. You know, the two toddlers, the black kid and the white kid, run together and hugging. That's how people are. And the only way you become a racist is if you're trained to be a racist. And that's what the schools, that's what the CRT is all about. Well, I, I mean, I think we've said it. And I mean, I, st- I, I think you're going to see a, an uprising from, from around this country. As more and more places are on top of this, I think you're going to see more of this. You're seeing it. We saw it in Carmel, New York. Now, th- where would you say he's from? He's from uh, Chicago, uh, Illinois. Okay, Illinois. We've seen other speeches. We, we saw in, um, was it Ohio? I saw that, that played that girl. I mean, you're, you're seeing it. And again, you know, it only takes one or two in these different places, and all of a sudden it's three or four. All of a sudden it's, I mean, these parents are on it. These parents are on it, and, and, they, and they have to stay on it. And you have to be involved with your kid, and you have to be involved with what the school's doing, how they're wording things. You know, because these teachers' unions, they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll teach it without telling you they're teaching it. They'll, they'll do it in... And they'll lie to you. Because let's face it, teachers' unions, guess what? They're not taking care, they don't care about the kids. The teachers' unions, in no place in there, teachers' unions doesn't say anything about kids and the, the welfare of the kids. It's about the teachers' union, about how they can progress themselves. It's about what they can grab. It's all about their contracts, what they get paid. That's what the teachers' union is about. It's about the teachers and about the people that run it. Oh, I got to tell you, as someone who was a teacher for 14 years, there's a lot of great teachers out there, and and kind of like the um, kind of like the sports thing, Nicole Beasley. I bet there's a lot of other teachers who don't want to deal with this nonsense either. Oh, they want to just they want to just teach kids. They want to be great teachers. Yeah. They want to shape these kids' minds. They want they want to just teach. They want to be they want to be left alone from this nonsense. Oh, I know a bunch of teachers, and they all agree. They're all of the same mind. And again, I'm talking about the teachers' union. I'm not talking about the teachers. Because the teachers' unions yeah. are using the teachers to get what they want. Yeah. Power. Well, as someone who was um, a teacher and not very happy with the union when I was a teacher, I, I know what you're talking about. So it's one of the reasons I unfortunately had to leave because I, you know, I couldn't deal with it. Um, all right. Let's do Crazy Town here before we get to a little more sports and a little more news. Joe's vaccine reminder today. Roll it, G. Good afternoon. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh. Today, we in D.C. are fully vaccinated. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. As our vaccination program is same, saving tens of thousands of lives. Huh? Folks, life. we're heading into a very different summer compared to last year. A bright summer. Perfectly a summer of joy. I'll always give it to you straight. The good, the bad, and the truth. People getting seriously <laughs> ill and being hospitalized due to COVID-19. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a serious concern, especially because of what experts are calling the Delta virus. Oh, the here Delta variant. Here we come. So please, please, 
If you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, get vaccinated now, now. It's free. And as, as I said many times, text your zip code to the numbers 438829. Get your free Uber or Lyft ride to and from vaccination sites. I want to thank Uber and Lyft for their cooperation. And for anyone who still questions, that's okay. You still have questions. But act. Act now. Act now. On July 4, we're going to celebrate our independence from the virus as we celebrate our independence of our nation. Other than, I mean, it's, say again. (laughs) (laughs) Nice job there, Jay. Oh, boy. All right. Well, yeah, the full court press is still on. Well, now they're making up the new variant. Ah, well, you know, Delta's coming. Yeah. That's going to be terrible. Oh, are you scared yet? I saw something today from uh, Sky News that they've decided across the pond that they're not going to try to even vaccinate anyone under, I believe, the age of 18. They won't even offer it to them. Because basically, there's again, there's almost no benefit. The chances of them getting it and having any problems or even knowing that they have it is, you know, so minuscule that the, what would be the point? Yeah, well, don't tell that to, uh, to anybody in this country because uh, they think everybody should have it, even two years old. Hi, live from Studio 6B. A little more sports, a little more news. Wrapping it up on a Friday. Great week. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. to the hour. Let's do a little more sports and we'll uh, wrap it up with a couple other things. What's going on, Rick? RPD NHL action game four in Montreal right now. We have uh, Nicholas Roy and uh, Cole Caulfield both scored one for the Golden Knights and one for the Canadians. 1-1 tie and series is tied 1-1. Check that game three from the Bell Center in Montreal. So big pivotal game and Islanders tomorrow night and the Lightning on the Island. We'll have full reports on Monday. NBA action playoffs game six. Atlanta leading the Series 3-2. The Sixers right now up 86-81. Just about six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Trey Young with 31 to lead all scorers. Seth Curry with 22 for the Sixers. And that game is back moving in action. So we'll uh, see how that comes. I don't know. I'll be, I'll be nervous about that. And then good good one tonight. Jazz and Clippers. Clippers looking to close out the Jazz. Up three games to two in the Staples Center LA. And that'll tip just after 10 p.m. tonight. Major League Baseball scores. The Indians try Trying to come back now, trail the Pirates 11 to 7. That was 11 to 1. That's in the top of the eighth. Uh, Mets and Nationals in a good pitchers duel, 0 0 in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, Blue Orioles over to Blue Jays, 2 to 1, top of the eighth. Athletics beating the Yankees, 5 3, top eight. The Braves, 9 to 1 over the Cardinals in the bottom of the seventh. Marlins lead the Cubs, 5 2. That's in the top of the fifth. The Twins and the Rangers tied at three, top five. White Sox, Astros, bottom of the fifth, 1 1. Red Sox lead the Royals 1-0, another pitcher's duel. That's in the top of third. The Brewers and Rockies 1-1, top fourth. 
Tigers and Angels, 0-0, top of the first. And Dodgers and Diamondbacks, also 0-0, top of the first, just underway. And we had the Euro 2020. We're going to keep following that, Big D. Good game today. Sweden and Slovakia. Sweden pulling that one out. one nothing. Another good game was Croatia and the Czech Republic. That was a 1-1 draw, as was England and Scotland. They also played to a draw today, 0-0. France is taking on Hungary. That's a 9 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. And again, we'll keep an eye as they get down to the final 16 in the Euro 2020. And speaking of Euro 2020, Christian Eriksen was discharged from the hospital after successful operation Yahoo Sports from Liz Rocha. Denmark midfielder Christian Eriksen was discharged from the hospital earlier today, less than a week after collapsing on the field mid-game due to cardiac arrest. Via statement, the Danish Football Association announced Eriksen's release and revealed that he'd visited his teammates before going home to spend time with his family. Eriksen, as we reported before, 29 years old, collapsed on the field last Saturday in the middle of the Euro 2020 match against Finland. His teammates immediately called for medical personnel who quickly discovered that Erickson's heart had stopped. They administered CPR and used a defibrillator to restart his heart, then took him to the hospital for tests. So it looks like that story is having a really, really good ending for that young man, and uh, we wish him well as he goes back home to Denmark. Yeah, thank God. Great. That was great news. Uh, and let's go to the Buffalo Bill Rodeo. Nothing like a Buffalo Bill Rodeo. North Platte, uh, Nebraska, Wild West Arena. $44,000 payout. Bareback riding. Garrett Shadbolt on Bar Talk with a 90. And Saddle Bronc, Cody DeMoss on Natrina's Red Man with an 86. Bull Riding, Connor Murian on All-Star 83. He scored an 83. Steer Wrestling, Chance Howard, 3.4 seconds. Not Chance Howard, the actor. Team Roping, Chance Oftedal and J.W. Nelson, 5.2 seconds. Tie-down roping, J.D. McQuiston, 8.0 seconds. And Bauer Racing, Stevie Hillman in 17.46 seconds. And another big rodeo this weekend, the Reno Rodeo. Half a million dollar payout. This is from the Reno Livestock Events Center. Uh, just so far, there's four, four uh, events under underway. Steer Wrestling, Bridget Anderson in 4.3 seconds. Team Roping was Jade Stoddard and Max Cutler in 5.0 seconds. Team Roping, Cater Tate. 10.4 seconds, and Bow Racing Lexi Goss, 17.44 seconds, and Big D, that's a wrap in sports, we'll see you Monday night, happy Father's Day to all our fathers on Sunday. Yep, absolutely, happy Father's Day to all fathers this Sunday, including my dad, happy Father's Day, yes. Dad. Um, so Dave Portnoy got suspended off Twitter tonight, and now he's unsuspended off Twitter, because I, I mean... If you could pick one person to suspend, that's going to you're going to get. I don't know who, other than President Donald Trump. By the way, that's now two presidents, El Presidente <laughs> and the President, um, that's got suspended off Twitter. And I mean, here's here's a guy who spent the better part of a year and a half raising about a, what fifty million to a hundred million dollars for small businesses uh, when he's got plenty to do. By the way. Um, and gave up pretty much everything to start helping small businesses stay alive. And he gets one guy on Twitter that questions uh, Penn, their public stock. You know, Penn bought Barstool. Some guy questioning revenue and saying, hey, what are you going to do about this revenue loss? And, and, and he Portnoy quipped back with something. <laughs> that was pretty funny, but um, he got suspended for that. I mean, come on. Like, what what's going on here? I mean, well, they... I mean, people just went crazy, and he's now unsuspended. Be interested to see if he has anything to say. There was a picture of him and, and Jack Dorsey just put on Twitter when they were both down in Miami for the Bitcoin conference. 
they were just together and introduced to each other, I think, for the first time. Well, that didn't last too long. <laughs> so, um, but he's now he's back, so. But what he said was pretty funny to the guy who questioned him. <laughs> well, are you going to tell us? Or we have no, to no look I it can't up? say it on air oh, because okay. it's a little no, no. But for, for Portnoy, it's pretty lame for him. But it's pretty funny. So, uh, Anything else we want to get to here, G, before we wrap it up video-wise that we haven't shown? Anything that's good? I want to get to Representative Jim Banks and this admiral from the, uh, uh, from the, uh, the military. What was it? Is he from the Navy? I think it's from the Navy. And I mean, we've talked about what's going on. The wokeness is coming to the American military. And it's just, it's, it's, this is, it's getting out of hand. And uh, this is a fiery discussion by, from Representative Jim Banks and this Admiral Gilday. But we don't have time to get to tonight because it's about five minutes long. But it, it is, he takes it to him. And good for him, for Representative Banks, by the way, for doing it. But um, anything else? We'll, we'll go over that on Monday. We'll do, I'll lead with that on Monday because that, that was, that's, a, that's a big deal uh, because you, we should know what's going on in, in, in the American military and, and, and this wokeness uh, that's going on. So yeah. uh, I'll deal with that on Monday. Anything else in news that we didn't get to, Rick? Yeah, a little something here from Facebook. Anybody that's still on it, like you mentioned earlier, uh, well, Facebook has decided they're going to allow some satire. Really? Isn't that nice? But it must be, as they quote, layered, complex, or subversive. Yeah, they announced this policy change, and they're finally working on allowing satire on the site. As long as it's not hateful, well, like I said, it's got to be layered and complex and subversive. The announcement came in response to a decision to a decision from the oversight board regarding a meme depicting the nation of Turkey having to choose between the Armenian genocide as a lie and the Armenians or terrorists who deserved it. Um, the meme has now been reinstated in, in response to the board's decision that it was unjust censorship. Facebook said it will now add information to the community standards that makes it clear where we consider satire as part of our assessment of context specific decisions. Mm. And this is supposed to be a good thing that they're doing this. I yeah. mean, do we, we need these big corporations deciding what is, what, what is, is funny. art, what is comedy, what is acceptable? What, how is this a good thing? Yeah. They're going to decide, believe it or not, uh, what is funny and what is not. Who knew the big tech giant specified if the content is simply derogatory and not layered or complex, or subversive, then it doesn't qualify as satire. Indeed, humor can be an effective mode of communicating hateful ideas, they said. So, yeah, that's that's something to look forward to from Facebook. Yay. Good for them. All right. Well, um, again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, including my father, all you guys on the show. If you're lucky enough to still have your dad, uh, obviously, happy Father's Day. Uh, enjoy all the moments, all the Father's Day with your kids and with your dad and with you if, if you're lucky enough to have still grandparents and enjoy the weekend. And uh, don't forget Monday, 3 p.m. right here on Real America's Voice, President Donald Trump on with David Brody on the water cooler at 3 o'clock right here on Real America's Voice. Make sure you don't miss that. That is a point in television. We'll have some of that to replay for you on Monday night right here on the show, live from Studio 6B. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We will see you Monday night. As always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, Sheet. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thanks to you, the live from Studio 6B audience. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday night, 8 p.m., live from Studio 6B.